This is the Hilarious Society. Laugh about it, laugh about it, laugh about it. Most uncontrollable podcast in the world, and I'm with my boy, Let's go. Mr. Jonah Perez. Welcome, bro. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Thanks for having me. Dude, I think this is going to be a great episode, everyone, because this guy, honestly, even more than me, is just his... He's on the right wave path, and I think you'll be able to uh, offer a lot of insight here for young adults, young men, young people in college. So um, without further ado, bro, let's just get right into it. Me and Jonah do work together with the solar knock-knock, um, but we are both moving on to uh, – we're both about to graduate, so we're moving out of Chico. And uh, I guess just kind of starting off with it, brother, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but you know, you can go into more depth, but you kind of were talking about like staying quiet and working in silence. And um, – basically being in isolation and getting out of your comfort zone. So kind of give me a little bit about like what's going on after college and what made you decide to do that. Okay. So <clears throat> I've had a lot of different options mm-hmm. with when I finished college, yeah. I could stay with solar. I could do this job over in San Mateo right. that I was applying for and everything, but it really kind of just dialed down about like what my actual why was and what mm-hmm. I actually wanted to do in life. Yeah. And that's traveling. Like, I just want to live a free, autonomous life and just go live life to the fullest, right? Right. So, I'm going to just figure it out as I go, live live in Tahoe, uh, do something new, do something Mm -hmm. remote. And from that, I I know if I just really put everything into it, I'm Mm going to get out what I put into it, right? That's just how it goes with work, business, everything, and life in general, whatever you put in, you're going to get out. Yep. So just really creating a, a life where I'm becoming a wealthy person before I actually become a wealthy person. Yeah, that's huge. That's, that's what I want to do. I want to actually just like kind of elevate, you know, hundred percent. And I, we were talking about like before the podcast, so you're gonna be living completely by yourself, right? In Tahoe. Completely by myself. Gotcha. So locked in and then you work remotely. So you're just locked yeah. in. And I think one of the hardest things, especially for someone like me with trying to promote the podcast and get the brand out there is going quiet. But I think for in your case, what you talked about, like that's where you get the most growth because you're not talking to anyone. Obviously, you're not going to like go completely isolated, but you know, yeah. you're in your own environment. It's just you. It's this job that you talked about, which I want to kind of hear your perspective is getting out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you've mastered sales and solar. Mm-hmm. So like what made you want to do this transition and like why? I guess you talked about the why a little bit, but yeah. if you can go into a little bit more elaboration about like getting out of your comfort zone and going into a whole new kind of uh, atmosphere and work. Yeah. So going into a whole new kind of atmosphere, I, like you said, I want to be in a place where I'm growing, yeah. right? There's going to be so many different periods and opportunities in life where you have opportunity to grow. Mm -hmm. And when those opportunities speak to you, it's like, you know what? Like, I'm going to take it. We're we're living this life once. I I want to live it to the fullest. I want to travel. And um, if if I do this remote thing, then I know I could be anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's like the main goal. And I want to start playing Monopoly with the world. Yeah, you know, 100%. You know, 100%. That's tight, dude. Yeah. I, I like that. And I think too with like traveling and kind of what you kind of talked about a little bit right now is, you know, now's a time in life where we take the risk, right? Like exactly. we're in our mid-20s, you know, we're out of college. We already have some phenomenal skill traits with sales and, you know, interpersonal skills and how to ultimately close deals and create real authentic interactions with rapport. Mm. But I think something that is so hard to do at our ages. I think so many people have this idea of out of college, like I have to get this job. I have to go, 
you know, make X amount of money a year because this is what I'm told by society. Now, it's the norm. Exactly. Yeah, and for each person, like, you know, whatever you, do, you define as like happiness and ultimately success, there's nothing wrong with that. Like for some people, I, you know, I applaud you. But for others, I feel like, you know, there's more out there, but people just kind of tell you or society tells you, get the degree, go to a job, get the yeah. degree, go to a job, you know, make X amount of money, have a 401k. Once again, if you do that, I'm not hating on that at all. I'm just saying for a lot of people out there, including myself, including you, I started to realize that, you know what, maybe there is more out there. And it's sometimes it's scary, dude. Like when I first started this job and I want to hear your perspective as well is yeah. I was comfortable at the restaurant making, you know, 100, 200 bucks a night. It's not a ton of money, but to get by for college. Yeah. It's steady. Exactly. Like, right, like, I have my paychecks. Yeah. I'm, I'm living good yeah. and everything. I can go to the bar. I can, you know, buy most of the stuff I want to get out here in Chico. And once I started doing solar, like for the first three months, you don't see a paycheck, right? Because you got to wait for installs. The delayed and gratification. Exactly, sure. dude. Oh, we're hammering on that in a second. It's but, tough. <laughs> but it is because you're like, dude, it's hot as shit. Like, you know, I started in the summertime. Like, it's 110 out here. I'm getting a bunch of no's. People are telling me to get the fuck off their property. I'm doubting my own self-confidence and my self-esteem. But once you push through that, and you're like, whoa, there's a whole nother avenue on this. And because it's only commission-based – you're your own boss. Like, don't get me wrong. We have a lot of fun, like Farrod and Christian, but like, you're really the one in control of your life. Yeah. So I really like that about sales. And I want to hear your perspective is because it really got me out of my comfort zone of just being good at one thing and then elevating kind of what you talked about before. I was, you know, good at serving. It's easy to make money and get tips, yeah. meet some cute girls, whatever. But then after a while, you're like, okay, obviously I want to do something else. And then you go into sales. You're like, oh my God, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then you master sales and now you're going to a whole other, whole nother atmosphere and what you're doing for yourself. It sounds like Jonah is you're like building your arsenal. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go ahead and just a little bit on the inside of like how solar sales in general change your perspective on some things. Solar sales yeah. definitely changed my perspective on a lot of things. Because yeah. I, I went into it not knowing how to sell. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was a pre-nursing major, yeah. like doing just science classes yeah. all the time in the library for like 10 hours a day. It was right. ridiculous. Yeah. Switched to business management. And then I was like, I need... A job. I'm broke, and at the time, my roommate he yeah. was actually working for for the company, yeah, yeah. The, the solar company here. Yeah. And I I tried it out. Had yeah. no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And as you grow and learn and have mentorship, it's a really good experience, and you learn life more mm -hmm. because sales, in a way, is life. I feel like because okay. it's just communication, yeah. right? Like you're, you're talking to people every day, you're selling yourself every single day to people that you may not have ever met before. <laughs> yeah, most of the time you know, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So then, and then it's just like the whole communication aspect of sales too, it's really interesting to me because mm -hmm. you can find out so much more about a person with the skill set of sales. Mm -hmm. You could find out problems easier, you can find solutions easier. You can do so many things in life that just propel you into different sections yep. that you didn't really know before you got dialed into sales. And that's kind of how my perspective shifted on sales. Yeah. And there's also a stigma like, oh, like you're a sleazy salesman, but yeah, like it. Yeah, dude, seriously. But yeah. if you have the mindset, which I'm super grateful that we were taught really well at uh, the company oh, yeah. we're working for. And 100%. if you just have that mindset in general where you're actually helping people, you're creating a solution, you're going to feel better about yourself. You know that you have full belief in what you're doing and you can't be happier. Yeah, I agree, dude. And I think too, some kind of like you talked about a second ago is like, 
the hardest thing, at least I found in my life with sales is like selling myself. Mm-hmm. Like once you get to the point where you know how to close a deal or build a rapport, then it becomes easier, right? But there's definitely that beginning period where I am doubting everything I'm saying on the doors. I'm doubting mm-hmm. every new skill I'm learning. But once you just get through the suck, because no matter what it is, right, you're going to suck in the beginning. No one like, even an NBA basketball player, like at one point they sucked, right? When you see the Michael Jordan thing where he got cut from his basketball team or Kobe Bryant when he was 11 years old didn't make a single point in summer league and they go, I'm going to be two of the greatest NBA players of all time. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of just that mentality of like, I know it's going to suck and if you can embrace it, then things become a lot more manageable. It's when you... Don't get me wrong. I think you definitely need to set the bar high, but you also need to give yourself a breathing period where like, hey, oh, I didn't get 10 deals this month. It's like, just, just relax. Just focus on two. Can you get two? Mm-hmm. Cool. Then you can get to four. You get to four, you get to eight, then you get to 16. And if you break it down in that aspect, things become a lot more manageable and not so stressful. Because when I first started, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know how to say this and that. I don't know how to get deals to install. I don't know how to deals to get to close. I don't know how to just build rapport on the doors. But if you embrace, like, I'm going to suck at this. Maybe with golf. I'm not even good now. But it was a lot worse two years ago, right? It could be football or talking to women or sales. Any aspect in your life, in the beginning, as long as you're aware and you have that humiliation factor, like, hey, I'm going to be bad at this, but I will get good, you'll persevere. So I agree 100% with what you're saying there, brother. But kind of going on on to the next area here, dude, is – One thing talking on what you were just saying, though, yeah – like you, you're saying everything is the hardest in the beginning and mm-hmm. that's right. It's the hardest thing to do is start. Yes. Start yeah. anything. It's yeah. the hardest thing to do because you're out of your comfort zone for one. Right. You don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a journey. You have to trust the whole process. Yeah. Right. And then you, you put in what you get out. Right. So you just got to focus on putting in the inputs. Yeah. And whenever it's a bad month or a good month, like, you know that your input is an exact proportion of what you put in. Right. Right. So, yeah. like, actually, did I, did I fuck that up? No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no. It was like your input's an exact proportion of your outputs. That's exactly. Yeah, said. exactly. Yeah. Well, dude, no, I, I agree, too. And that's sometimes the hardest part is breaking it down to the simplest aspect. Like, let's say someone wants to lose 20 pounds. Well, you're not going to do it in a night. You might not even do it in a couple of weeks. No. But if you break it down to, like, I'm just going to go to the gym for – 40 minutes today and I'm going to walk on the treadmill for 20 minutes and do 20 minutes of weights mm-hmm. and they do it again tomorrow and tomorrow. It'll constant repetition carries conviction. That's right. Um, and I think too, kind of what you were alluding to is just like the unknown is definitely the most scary thing about anything, right? Because it's the fear of rejection mm-hmm. that at least for me and most people I feel like in sales um, are the most nervous about it. Like, well, what if they don't like me? What if I don't get the deal? What if I suck at this? But if you can get rid of your ego, because the ego, oh my God, the ego is the hardest thing, dude. It's the biggest thing that holds you back. Yeah, it's your biggest enemy. It could be your ally, but most of the time it's your enemy. And being understanding to your ego and me, like, you know what? I'm going to get better at this. It's not going to make sense in the beginning, but over time and through consistent effort and action, like you talked about, mm-hmm. action clears all doubt. I noticed that. It's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay good at this job. Go knock a couple doors, you'll get right back into it. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to stay this fit forever. Go to the gym, you know, you'll get right back into it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be able to expand my knowledge, study for another hour or two. Like, you know, doing the thing that sucks or the thing that you know you don't want to do but must do 
always, always, always instills confidence into me. Like when I hate doing it, I'm like, oh, I feel good after. I go to bed at night and I'm like, yeah, I got after it today. Yeah, just like my cold plunges every single morning. You do I those hate too? doing them. Yeah. I, I hate doing them. Do you have a tub or how do you do it? Well, I just do a cold shower. Okay, I do the same thing. Just turn it all the way, yeah. freezing cold. Yeah. Just wait for a second. I'm like, all right, let's fucking do it. Yeah. Day, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 465. Dude, that's dope. So you do cold showers too? Every single dude, day. Every I do single that morning too. when I wake up. Yeah. It sucks, dude. And I was talking about this on the last podcast, but dude, after I get out, I'm like, oh, I feel good. Like your body releases that adrenaline of the yeah. fight or flight. Um, you just feel like, okay, no one else is doing this. So I'm separating myself from the competition. Mm-hmm. And then usually what I do on top is just to keep the body shocked is I'll take a cold shower every morning. And then I'll do like 100 push-ups and sit-ups. So like before I even open that door, yeah. my body is already in a state of like uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm more focused, I guess. I'm locked in. And it, nice. you feel confident, you know. It's just doing those little stupid mundane things every day that you don't want to do. But after time, like you just become more confident in yourself and your ability and just the way you speak and talk to people. Like you can look someone in the eye and be like, I'm literally what I'm talking about. Right? That's right. Like That's Goggins right. talks about all the time, dude. I love that. And – on that too, it's it's so important to win the morning. Yeah, right? so big. Yeah, it's so important. And this is something that I heard recently from Earl Nightingale. Yep. 19, 19 minutes and you'll change your life on yeah. YouTube. I've been okay. watching that every single morning. Yeah. I'll do my cold shower, and he speaks on how a pilot they always go over a checklist before they fly. Mm-hmm. No matter how knowledgeable they are about the plane, about flying, they always go through a checklist. Right. And if you do that with your morning, you're, you have so much clarity. Yeah. Because if you just have the steps that you know, because you ha- even if you have a great memory, like, you know, you a, a pilot yeah. has a great memory. Everyone can have a great memory. But if you actually have something that you can always go back to and you can't necessarily trust your memory 100%. Yeah. So if you have that checklist yeah. in the morning – you're golden, bro. Yep. So that's that's what I've been doing. I do my cold shower, 15 minutes of yoga, there you go. get right to my million-dollar morning, what I'm grateful for, yeah. how I'm going to propel myself that day, write my write my checklist for the day right after that, oh, yeah. get going. Dude, I like that. I See, I do the same thing. I just do it the night before. Um, and either way, it works. I mean, before you start your day, is the either way, thing, yeah. is I'll write my night before because for me, I have so much going on in my head with you know school and work and gym and moving and whatever you know the future holds, life throws at you. Mm-hmm. So I have to write my shit down from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, um, and so I know exactly what I'm. I have to get done for the next day. Mm-hmm. Now, just like uh, Jordan Peterson talks about, like Love writing a, writing a list is yeah, it's he's phenomenal. Is you know it's. Easy to do. It's hard to execute everything on the list, which I hardly get everything done on that list. But if yeah. you, you know, hit 70 or 80% of your goals for the day, how much better do you feel at night versus someone that just, oh, maybe I'll go to the gym. Maybe I'll get my car clean. Maybe I'll work out. And, you know, you kind of feel like you're floating. And for me, that's when I have the least amount of confidence and the least self-control is when I just go about my day. And yeah. just, maybe I'll get breakfast here. Maybe I'll eat there. Maybe I'll read there. Maybe I'll hit this person up. You know, it's like, you can't live your life on maybe. The more certain you become, the more clear things become. And for everyone listening, I'm not a monk. I say every fucking time. <laughs> Obviously, I mess up too. I don't always follow through on my stuff. But just for my own self-benefit, writing a list out and even executing 30 to 40%, which is a pretty low day, mm-hmm. I feel so much better because I'm like, all right, I got some stuff done today. Yeah, and now I know what to work on. Exactly. The next day. 100%. Dude, it's easy to track. Like, oh, I did this yesterday. Okay, what should I do today? Got it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, dude. So the next thing I was going to talk about was in order to be successful, what we've kind of learned in solar especially is like in order to be successful, you must master the art of making complex ideas simple. And obviously I want to hear your perspective on this, but just before we get into it, something that I've definitely feel like I'm getting better at and excelling now versus maybe two years ago is just ideas in general. Sometimes it's very complex ideas. Like for example, we're in a close, we're talking about lenders and finance agreements and warranties and people moving and, you know, stipulations and being able to close a 40 or 50 year old homeowner that's never let a single guy into solar in their house before. And you're a 23 year old kid just learning how to close last week. It's fucking scary. But over time, I feel like being able to make a complex idea simple and precise will really elevate you. So what do you think on that? What's your kind of opinion? It's so huge. Whenever, whenever you're selling something, it's so huge to make it simple for them. Mm -hmm. Because whenever you put things in simpler terms, they understand and a purchase is more likely to happen, right? right? When there's no confusion involved because a confused mind doesn't buy. Yep. We'll always say no. It never does. So you need to keep it in the most simplest terms possible, whether it be solar, cars, uh, tech in San Francisco, like it could be anything, but as long as you hit your steps in your sales process, Mm -hmm. ask the right questions and actually figure out the priorities of the customer and frame it in a way that it makes sense to them. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's huge with anything. I know you've, you've just started closing and everything like that. How's it? How have you been changing in that way and actually like developing. Yeah. I mean, questions. great question. Yeah. Um, the way I've learned at least since I started, I've been closing for like three months now, mm. but what I've really learned is ultimately like when you're setting, right, you're just kind of on the door talking a little bit here and there. And getting, what's up, BJ? What's up, uh, <laughs> uh, but when you're kind of on the door, right, ideas are pretty simple at first, right? Like you're just trying to get the appointment. You're just trying to get them to not necessarily say yes. Like we talked about, we're not selling a uh, solar on the doors, you're selling curiosity. Yeah. But it's very simple aspects, right? You pay 200, now you pay 100. It never goes up, no money down. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But getting in the close, what I've really learned more than just pitching a simple idea, which is always we talked about making complex ideas simple, will always lead to success. But more importantly, is building trust in the home. And so yeah, what I've sure. really tried to do, and it's been going pretty well for me, is just letting the homeowner know, like, hey, whether you go solar or not, I want to make sure you're making a decision with as much information as possible mm-hmm. because I don't want you guys going solar if you're confused. I don't want you not going solar if you're confused. So you can kind of take it away. Yeah. But what I really try to do is every part of the process, stopping and saying like, does that make sense? Is there any questions? Because I feel like a lot of people, especially in sales, will kind of just rush through their pitch. Mm-hmm. And I had definitely dealt with that in the beginning, um, both when I was on the doors and in the homes. But just trying to get all my points across, check, check, check. And then I get to the close and they're like, you lost me at page two. You're on page 200. Yeah. And so what I've learned is every step of the way, speaking slower, which is hard for me at times, but every step of the way, like breaking it down for them, making sure they're following along and seeing if they have any questions. Because if you get those questions out of the way, then they feel more comfortable. They're like, oh, he actually cares what I think about my opinion on this. Yeah. And second of all, he really genuinely wants to make sure we're following along. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, oh, it's, you know, let's say three that, you know, let's say they're selling a freaking computer, $5,000, no money down. This is kind of how it works. Best technology, sign here. You're like, whoa, 
what am I getting into? Yeah. And with solar, it's so much more complicated. So making sure that people are following along and building a lot of eye contact. I feel like that's something in our generation that is sadly disappearing is like having a conversation where I'm looking you in the eye. I'm like nonverbals. So many people, and I am also a victim of it at times, like I'm on my phone, I'm looking away, I don't really want to talk. But when you're in the home and there's $50,000, $60,000 loan on the table and a six, dollars $7,000 commission check ready to go, yeah. you have to be downplaying everything. Like It's not that big of a deal. They're going to understand it. Don't stress about the moment. If you fuck up, learn from it. But I think the biggest thing for me is just building that trust. Um, building yeah. the trust and making sure they're actually following along mm-hmm. because we're the experts, right? It all makes sense to me, but... You know, Jim and Lisa down the street don't know what the fuck it means. So I have to make sure that I do a good job of being a good enough teacher so that they can make the best decision possible. That's right. Yeah. But what about you? I mean, how have you seen it like change your perspective on things when you started closing and dealing with, you know, lenders and whatnot? When I started closing in August, the first thing I, I I mean, I was trained pretty well, like with, with Faridin and Christian, I was trained pretty well. Yeah. But... As you grow as a closer, the better questions that you ask and the more information you actually find out about the homeowner and what their needs are, Mm -hmm. that's like where you're going to thrive, right? So like something that I do is when I'm in the home and I'm talking to them, I make them super comfortable, trust me, build rapport and everything. And when I start going into my steps... I say, hey, it's just you and me. We're going to brainstorm. Like, we're going to brainstorm and see what actually works best for you because that's my main goal, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't want to be the guy that's just trying to sell you something and make a commission and get the hell out of yeah. here, right? I want to actually make sure that you guys are taken care of with all the priorities. So, I'll build out a list of what they plan on adding to the home, uh, what they plan on using with their power, all mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. I, I want to make sure that they're with me and they're doing work with me too so that it feels like a group project, right? right? Because when they feel like they're involved, they're going to feel a lot more trustworthy, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's probably pretty much the hugest thing. Like Just like you said, building trust, learning what to say, how to say it mm-hmm. because you could say whatever, right? But the way that you do say things is what they'll remember. Yep. So I say just really making sure that you're being the trustworthy guy. Yeah. You know? I think that's huge. You kind of, we talked about, I say this on like damn near every podcast, but it's just like the coolest statistic of all time, I feel like. And so long story short, they did a, a study back in, I think it was Stanford or UCLA, mm-hmm. the mid 1970s. And it was basically trying to, um, categorize how much of a message and which parts of it are most important. So you hit the hammer on the nail with this. And basically what it is, is it's the seven, I think it's the seven thirty-five fifty-three rule. Yeah. It adds up to a hundred. But basically what it means is 7% of every message you say is taken into account. Mm -hmm. 35% is the tonality, the way you say it. And 53 is the nonverbals because I can knock your door and be like, Hey, what's going on? My name's Nick. Um, um, you know, have you seen the rate increases, right? I'm not looking at you. My yeah. voice is shallow. Or I could say, I, don't, I wouldn't say it like this, but like, hey, what's going on? You know, we're just the ones in your neighborhood helping some of your neighbors out. Have they kind of tell you what's been going on? It's like, I'm engaging. My shoulders are up. My eye contact is on you. I'm not looking away. You have to be animated. Because another thing about it too that I've just learned in life, but especially in sales is 
If someone doesn't look you in the eye, they're either lying to you or they're insecure to you. Either way, there's no confidence to be built there, right? Yeah. And so another thing is just being able to make eye contact, but also remember, like, like Christian says, we're like paid actors, right? We are building curiosity so someone has the enough rapport and trust in us that when we get in the home, they're like, okay, I want to hear what you have to say because everybody has the number one thing when you're at the door is a sales resistance, right? If they had solar, I mean, if they want solar, they'd already have it. Mm-hmm. So you have to break down that wall so that they're even able to listen to you, right? Yeah. You're like, for example, if someone said, eating chicken and broccoli every day will, will benefit you, but you're talking to a fat person, right? Yeah. They're like, I don't want to fucking hear this shit, even if it's general here. But if you came across someone, it's like, hey, it, this might not even make sense. I'm sure you're happy the way you are, but just let me tell you what I'm doing with this chicken, chicken and broccoli diet before I head out of here. Um, if, you, if it helps, great. If not, hey, it doesn't make a difference to us. And when you come off so nonchalant or very passive, people I feel are a lot more inclined to relax. That's a huge thing as well. Yeah. Because yeah. when you come off super like, I know what I'm talking about, it's now or never, people are like, fuck off, you're sales. Yeah. People can smell that sales breath. But if you come off in a way, it's like, I really don't give a shit if you get solar or not. Mm-hmm. I really don't care if you save money. If it does, if you don't save money, then why would you get solar, right? You like start selling them on the idea of not going solar. And they're like, whoa, wait, 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 I, want to, I want to hear it. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, I just think that's something that's... That's like, like the inverse close, right? Yeah, exactly, dude. Use all the closes. Yeah. But the one thing I want to get into for everyone that's not in sales, and I heard this on a Grant Cardone podcast, shout out uh, Uncle G, yeah. is um, everything in life is sales. And when I started thinking about this, and I'll break it down, I really want to hear what you have to say about this, Jonah, but everything in life is sales. And... Let's take, for example, anything that's not monetary. Trying to talk to the girl, get her number, go home with her. Um, wanting to cut the line so that you can get back to you know, your job in time. Trying to lower a car, well that's monetary, I'm trying to think of other stuff. Going to the gym, let, trying to let them let you in 10 minutes before they open because you gotta get to work at eight or whatnot. Yeah. There's sales in every aspect of life. Everything you fucking do. The, me and my roommates argue about this all the time. Getting my roommates to do the dishes instead of me, that's a sale. You have to close someone on the idea of why they need this product, service, or you know, agreement and how it's going to benefit them and you. Because I think a lot of times in sales, take for example, talking to a girl and trying to get her number. Mm-hmm. Why, do you, why do you want her number, right? Because you think she's pretty, you think she's attractive, maybe she's a you know, really cool personality. Mm-hmm. But what's in it for her, right? You got to sell yourself. Exactly. I think so many people try to be like selling, you know, they want what's best for them, but like what's the other person getting out of it? If it's, for example... Getting your roommates to help do the dishes. You could sell them on the idea of like, hey, you know, I do X, Y, and Z, and I appreciate everything you guys do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go unnoticed. It would just really benefit me if you could do the dishes, and I'll take out the trash and fucking sweep, whatever. Yeah. But, oh, okay, so if I do the dishes, then I get X, Y, and Z. And yeah. I think a lot of times people are just so locked in the idea of what's in it for themselves that the other people are like, you're never going to close me on anything. That's right. That ties right into the quote saying, Val, uh, you need to bring value to value or mm-hmm. else it's devalued, right? Because mm-hmm. no. if you don't bring value to someone, like let's say you're on a dinner with two like top earners in a company or something right. like that. Like if you're not going to provide any value to them, yep. then they're not even going to value at all. Exactly. It's the devalue and everything. And same thing with the girl analogy. Yeah. If you can't bring value to her, yeah. she's even like, oh, fuck this guy. Yeah. <laughs> You're just the eighth dude this week. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. So, so yeah, bringing value to other people is like such a big thing in life. Mm-hmm. And that ties right into what you're talking about is sales is life. And yeah. I, I said a little bit about that earlier, but yeah, dude, like 
sales really is like there's so many different things like you're saying you gotta do the dishes i'll do this yeah like you always have to bring value to something mm -hmm. in order to you guys to like actually be cohesive yeah exactly yeah exactly and uh, yeah it's at times it's definitely hard but if you can get you kind of talked about earlier if you can get the other side to engage like when you're in the clothes like that's phenomenal that you're aware of that self-conscious being self-conscious is like and self-awareness is like one of the top traits of all high performers is being aware of what they're doing right it's like someone can get lucky think about like an nfl player they can have one good season but what's it take to go to the hall of fame you have to replicate that every year and if you don't know how you got that success, congrats. You closed the deal, but good fucking luck doing it again. Exactly. That's why if you stick with consistent, this is going a little bit off, but what I've learned for myself in any aspect, let's say it's being more fit or making more money or you know, getting better grades in school, is understanding not just why I did it, but how the fuck did I get those results, right? That's right. Someone could do 30 different things. There's a great quote. It's like, Put, you know, if you're in a room with a hundred millionaires and you ask them, how do you become a millionaire? You're going to get a hundred different answers yeah. because each individual person did something different, but it worked for them. Mm -hmm. And so in any aspect of life for everyone listening, it's like, not only is it, you know, important to get the results, but track it. How did you get it? What did you do? How are you able to get the deal? How are you able to lose the 20 pounds? How are you able to get straight A's this semester? What aspects were you doing? What things did you remove that weren't benefiting you? Mm -hmm. And the more self-aware you can become of um, what's benefiting you and what's holding you back, it's easier to, I always say, like windshield wipers to wipe the bullshit off because yeah. what's true will stay clear and everything else that's bullshit will get swiped to the side. Yeah, damn right. Yeah, dude. Um, but anything, anyway, yeah, so getting into the next thing, brother, is, and I, I know we talked about this before, so I'm really curious to see the insight you have on this, but everything you do on a daily basis subconsciously is programming what and how you think. Mm -hmm. And as we talked about before, I mean, geez, just about anything except for being in complete silence, which we've talked about in the past podcast, is really good for you. But music, social media, friends, frats, work, shopping, the gym, bars, every aspect of it is programming you either to maybe do the right thing or the wrong thing, or at least put some sort of idea into your brain. Yeah. And I know you've done a lot of uh, research lately on it. So yeah, what are your kind of findings have you found about like the subconscious and so how everything affects you? I think everything affects our subconscious in some sort of way. Mm -hmm. Like even us talking right now, like subconsciously thinking like, oh, like I need to do more podcasts so I can get better at this or something. Right, yeah. That's an example. No, 100%. Or, oh, like there's so many ideas out there. Oh, sales is life. Like, yeah. oh, like you're going to think that all the time. Right. right? So you're always going to be like, whenever you're talking to someone, you're going to be like, oh, like subconsciously I need to hit these steps with this certain person. Right. Just meet. Whenever you're meeting someone, you need to like actually be aware. I feel like the more aware of your subconscious, the more aware you'll be in all areas of your life like some this training program that I've been doing um, it's been talking about how you just need to like clear everything up in your life mm -hmm. like whether it be your room your kitchen your home because you're seeing things that are out of place and your subconscious mind it it's confused because mm -hmm. things are out of place right. right and then once once you kind of clear all that shit up then you're able to actually just kind of move forward mm -hmm. and have like a, a clear head on your shoulders yeah. or something like that. Right. And I was talking a little bit about it earlier. You got to become like, you have to become a wealthy person in every single 
area of your life. And I heard that about this guy named, uh, heard that from Eric Strafford. Okay. I'm pretty sure pretty, really big, uh, entrepreneur in Miami. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He's a super cool guy to listen to. Um, get some really good takeaways from him. But yeah, dude, it's, it's important to just like clean up every area of your life Mm -hmm. and everything. So your subconscious is in the clear it's focused and you're going to have more clarity that way. And I've been seeing that with myself too. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a huge thing for sure. I think too, like going in on that is at times I feel like obviously life can be super overwhelming. Maybe it's, you know, new job, finances, rents, a girl, whatever you name it, fitness, and you know, your family, you're juggling all these different things. Mm. Um, but I a hundred percent agree. You have to, um, clear up your life. But I think one way that can maybe do it to benefit you the most is just take it one thing at a time. Yeah. Maybe for example, I don't know, you and your family are arguing, um, your money's low, you're out of shape and your grades are trash. Mm. Well, instead of being like, fuck, I have to get all this done right now. It's like, all right, take a step back. List it, as you talked about before, write it out. What's yeah. the most important? Maybe at the moment we're about to graduate school. Okay, school's number one, yeah. you know, family two, blah, blah, blah. And then what you do is you go like, okay, now I'm just going to focus on school for the next three weeks. What do I need to do? Well, I need to study X amount of time. I haven't been studying. I need to reach out to all my professors. I need to make up these assignments. And then what happens is after three weeks, your life isn't perfect by any means, but mm-hmm. oh shit, I went from failing this class and I have a C plus or a B. Okay, I got that under control. I understand how to get that level of success. Now let me deal with my family. Mm-hmm. And that way you're like cleaning an area at a time, right? It's like you come into a dirty house, dishes, I love the dishes, never do the dishes. <laughs> dishes are dirty, um, there's beer everywhere, that you know, the floor is sticky and the trash needs to go out. Well, obviously it's like you can't do it all at once, but if you're like, all right, let me start with the dishes, cool, that felt good, I got that done. Now I'm gonna sweep, cool, I got that done. Now I got the trash. Versus being like, let me uh, throw one trash bag out. Let me do four dishes. Let me see. It's like, no, you're never going to get done. You got to hit your steps. Exactly. Yeah. You're running around in circles. And uh, yeah, dude, I think that's that's huge is getting every of your life clean because it's almost, uh, it's like elevating too. It's like you, you go around a circle, you go around a circle and then you go up. You go around a circle, you go around a circle and you go up, right? Yeah. It's like I'm X amount of weight. I'm worth X amount of money and I'm about to graduate. Boom. I, now I weigh this much. Now I'm making this much money. I have this job, boom. Now I'm a CEO. Now I'm putting other people on with money and I'm super ripped. But it's like you just keep elevating up and up. Mm-hmm. What most people do, and it's it's I understand it's hard in life, is they stay here or majority of people go start going like this. Oh, you know, how many people have you met when they fucking say, you know, back in the day I was the high school varsity athlete. I had all the girls. I, you know, me and my boys would always get drunk. You know, I was a top fighter. And it's like, cool, what are you doing now? Exactly. Fucking, no one gives a shit about who you were back in the day. And that's something that I've learned with this job too, especially is don't get me wrong. You close two or three deals a day. You feel like the fucking man and you should, but then guess, guess what? You go to bed, the sun comes up the next day and like, yeah, replicate. What are you going to do tomorrow? Because people love to be like, dude, back in the day, fucking, we were the shit or blah, blah, blah. It's like, what about today? You can't live in your past. It's, no. it's like a, it's like a, uh, isolated, um, like a, a window you can't break into. Like, cool. Look at it. Enjoy all the pictures you want, but you can never go back there. That's right. You're going to drive yourself crazy. The time, the time is gone. Yeah. Exactly. And so being present in, or even focusing on your future is way better. Don't get me wrong. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from your past. Mm-hmm. But don't dwell on there because Conor McGregor, the boy, love that guy. Yep. He has a great quote that says like, okay, that's great to look at your past, but don't stay there. A lot of people look at their past and they end up getting stuck there because they can't move to the future or the present. Because they're like, well, back then, back then. It's like, dude, yeah. enjoy the time. Be thankful for the, you know, the positives as you talked about first with gratitude. 
understand the losses, but then fucking live in today. Yeah, that's right. I feel like so many people get stuck in that situation because they're unwilling to sacrifice. Huge. You know, because when you, whenever you go up to a next step in your life, another level, another level, something dies, right? You always got to be sacrificing something in order to get to that next step. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so many people these days, they hang on to things so tightly and it's just harder and harder for them to let go of certain things. And when you're actually able to sacrifice the things that's holding you back, like your ego, for instance, like it's, it's the biggest, it could be the thing that's propelling you forward, Mm -hmm. but it could also be the biggest thing that's holding you back. And if you actually sacrifice those things, like whether you're, you're smoking weed all the time or drinking all the time, if you sacrifice those things, you're going to get something else. And that goes in with the input and the output, right? If you, if you do something, if you sacrifice something, you're going to get something else out of that. Yeah. Right. 100%. No, I I agree. Totally. Is at the end of the day, everything is a sacrifice, you know, or therefore lack of like Tony Robbins always says, you are exactly where you are in this world because of the decisions that you've made. Um, And I know a lot of times, you know, especially getting up early, it's like, ah, 10 more minutes of sleep feels good. But then, for me, I don't sacrifice, for example, I don't sacrifice getting up on time or taking a cold shower. Then the whole rest of my day, kind of back to one in the morning, I'm regretting, fuck, you know, I'm already slacking today. Mm-hmm. And guess what happens? When you slack on one thing, it's domino effect. It's so much yeah. easier to, oh, I'll just eat shit food today. I'll go to the gym tomorrow. I'll study tomorrow. I'll mm-hmm. close some deals tomorrow. It's like, no, dude, you got to do that today. And it's hard as fuck to keep yourself accountable. As I talked about, I'm not a monk. <laughs> like, I fucking yeah. struggle with it all the time too, but... The more that you can and the more often you do, the more you're just instilling that self-confidence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a big difference between fake confidence and real confidence. A great example is the guy that is super quiet or super shy and then all of a sudden he has five beers and he's the man. All of a sudden he can talk to everyone and he walks a certain way and then the alcohol goes away and he's just back to his old self, right? Mm-hmm. And by the way, if you're quiet, it doesn't mean you're insecure at all, but I'm just giving a you know, typical example. But what I've what I've tried to learn and seen over the last couple of years is, you know, the more things you do without relying on any sort of substance or any sort of external, whether it's like Instagram for pics or Tinder or Hinge or for chicks or alcohol to, you know, make yourself feel a certain way, mm-hmm. when you can just do things in complete sobriety and keeping yourself accountable, then that confidence just starts to like ooze out of you at all times. Like you don't need substances. Cause for me, I mean, like I said, I this podcast is all about not just the ups, but also the downs. I used to rely so heavily on alcohol to talk to women, to make new friends, to be liked. And it worked. I'm not going to lie. It worked. But at the end of the day, I'd go to bed at night, like my first year in Chico, and I felt so shitty because like, dude, I don't believe in any of the shit I'm saying. I just know what it takes for someone to like me. Yeah. But when you start lying to everyone else, guess who you're lying to the most? Yourself. Yourself. And there's a really good quote. Nipsey Hussle repeats it. I don't know who originally said it, but he says, would you rather be at war with the world and at peace with yourself? at peace with the world, but at war with yourself. And it's like pff, fucking mind blowing, right? But like, it's true. It's like, I'd rather be Nick Federico and fucking everyone hates me, but I'm me. I'm happy as fuck being me. Yeah. Versus I don't know who the fuck I am. I am so lost. I'm depressed. I'm, I have anxiety, but everyone in the world thinks Nick Federico's a good guy. Yeah. And there's so many people that live in the shell and it's hard, but at the end of the day, it's like, dude, self, you know, your self-fulfillment and Self-respect is the most, like the highest level of like, I feel like wealth. Mm-hmm. And wealth doesn't have to be, as you kind of talked about earlier, it doesn't need to be just money. You know, it can be like wealth with your family, wealth with your fitness, wealth with your religion, mm-hmm. wealth with your academics, you know, because when I think wealth, I used to think money, but it's like, no, 
generational wealth isn't just talking about like money. Generational wealth is talking about your family being able to be secure forever, your family um, forever um, together because they don't have to you know stress about finances. Um, maybe it's you know I don't even know. I don't want to go too deep into ramble, but just yeah, the quality of life. Exactly, yeah. quality of life, dude. And because there's a lot of billionaires out there that are depressed, they kill mm-hmm. themselves. And you're like, why? You have yeah, all the money, but it's like, the, but you're just world. you're missing that other level of like you know progress. And I think um, balance kind of, is so important. Yeah, a hundred percent, dude. Yeah, it, it is tough, dude. It is tough, but finding it and figuring it out will always will always work. Um, the last thing I kind of want to wrap up, brother, before we finish up here is. Yeah. Especially with you, dude. I mean, you're one of the smartest dudes I know. Very smart guy. So, yeah. But is the vocabulary paints your reality. And this was just a podcast I was listening today with Brian Tracy, if anyone knows who that is. He's like kind of like the godfather of like original sales door to door and then whatnot. He's from like the 70s and 80s. But um, he was talking about him and Jim Rohn, who was the mentor for Tony Robbins. I'm sure everyone knows who that is. But he talked about... They did a study where they took vocabulary of like vocabulary of inmates mm-hmm. and vocabulary of like the most successful billionaires and CEOs around the world. And what they found out, which to no surprise, and sometimes it was like, oh, I didn't think about that, was the vocabulary of those inmates was significantly smaller mm-hmm. and minute compared to the vocabulary of the highly successful. Mm-hmm. And what they broke down, and I really want to hear what you have to say about this because I'm sure you can go in on it for sure is just like the level of it's not just the vocabulary itself like let's say you learn a new word that's great but it's how that word can when you understand what it means and how you can apply it to things it opens up your brain like you literally learn new ways to express yourself and get a point across for example if all i knew how to say to call something big was big like oh dude that's a really big deal that's a really big job that's a really big boat people are like for one you're you're fucking small yeah Yeah. you're (laughs) small-minded but two you're even thinking like in just one narrow-minded way but if i was like that that ship is large that ship is enormous that ship is massive that deal is uh, you know i don't even know gargantuous gargantuous right (laughs) like you just start thinking about different ways for one idea and i think that's sometimes one of the biggest misconceptions of life is like people look at things in such a narrow concept, Yeah. but the whole point of life is to learn and experience new ideas and aspects so that you can share these thoughts and learn from other people and go on there. But anyway, I don't want to ramble, brother. Go ahead. What do you, what are your kind of thoughts on like the vocabulary and the conception between that and, you know, intelligence? And yeah, no, I, I agree 100% because when, when you're not learning, that's when you're staying stagnant in life. Right. And if you're constantly learning, trying to learn new ways to say things, then you're going to elevate your brain, right? And that goes in with the, the leveling up. Like mm-hmm. you got to sacrifice saying big so much. <laughs> yeah. Move on to another word, yeah. right? So it's, it's important. It's important for sure. And then just the stigma with successful people having higher vocabulary if you want to be successful, learn learn bigger vocab words, mm-hmm. right? You want to fit in with the with them mm-hmm. and actually elevate yourself. Yeah. Because when you start when you start doing that, it's it's just going to help you in the long run. People are going to think you're more interesting because you have different things to say that they maybe haven't heard before, and you're just going to become a more intriguing person to talk to. You're going to be the interesting person in the room to talk to. Definitely. Yeah. And 
Exactly. It's like you're sparking kind of curiosity and I was gonna say that too. Yeah. It leads to mystery. Yes, yeah. right. What does he know? How does he know so much? And I've always talked about this too. Obviously I love all my friends, all all the people in my life that obviously are in my life for a reason. But I notice like, for example, if I'm in a, a close or maybe I'm at a, a meeting would probably be a better aspect. Like we're doing when Jake Hess came. Yeah. So that was huge. Yeah. You know, shout out Jake Hess. And my thought process and the things I was talking about was just at a higher frequency. And then I go to school, I go to Riley's and all of a sudden I'm talking, saying fuck every two seconds or shit or shot or beer. And you know, your brain frequency drops to a very, very low level because you're in a different atmosphere. You're, it's the environment. Yeah, exactly. Your environment is a direct replication as well. And you are exactly. And being aware of that. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with going to the bar and, you know, having fun instead of laying loose. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. when you are in environments, being aware of at least the things you're talking about, what you're thinking and how you're acting. Because, you know, you, you know, I I understand for a lot of these like inner city kids, like they grew up in gang areas, Mm -hmm. probably going to be a gang member because that's all you know, right? That's the affiliation. Exactly. You grew up around, you know, entrepreneurs, you're probably going to be an entrepreneur, right? And so I think it's just really interesting because it's something that like, oh yeah, of course we know that. You are who you hang around, but you're like, think about it though. Like you are who you hang around. You become your environment. Yes. And it's hard for even me to keep myself into account at times. Even when I'm aware of this, I'm self-aware. I'm reading this book right now. It's called Emotional Intelligence. I don't know if you've read it before. I have it. On my shelf. It's one of my next ones. Dude, it's fine. I am just started reading it. But it talks about how there's two minds. There's the emotional mind and the illogical mind. The logical mind. And something they talked about, which I was actually surprised of. And the cool thing about all this is, you know, I'm big for motivation and inspiration. But at the end of the day, I like to have facts behind it. Like, yeah, yeah, I know you can do something. But show me someone that did or show me statistics where you guys took a situation and there was like data, right? Because then it just backs the fluffy feel good shit with the data and it goes together and then you're super powerful. Yeah. And in this book, it talks about, they did a ton of studies, but one of them was how they did a bunch of research and come to find out from like our primal days, like, you know, from BC when humans were first evolving, the emotional mind was actually before the logical mind. I always thought that was the other way around. Now it's one mind, so don't get it twisted. What they're trying to break down for people that are listening is that like your emotions were the, the predominant um, force in all of your thinking and then the logical side came after. Yeah. And so, for example, think about a caveman, right? He fucking starts a fire, he touches the fire, ah, fuck, it's hot, right? It's emotion. Oh, I know not to do that again. Yeah. He wasn't thinking logically because he never knew. Mm-hmm. And when it breaks down, what I thought was really interesting was just the idea of like, you have to be aware of it, um, but your emotions dictate a large, large aspect of your logic. Mm-hmm. You know, And sometimes there's a time and a place to separate. When you're in a close, you need to be logical. You can't be emotional. But, you know, you're talking to a girl or your family, you need to be emotional. And there's obviously, there's a fine line of both, mm-hmm. but it's never 50-50. Yeah. It'll never be 50-50. Sometimes you need to be X amount of emotion and X amount of logic. The bar is always shifting. Yeah. For sure. And it's being aware and controlling that. Like, for example, you're at the bar, someone shoves you, right? And so you just want to deck this guy in the face. Yeah. Like, maybe that's the short-term answer, but in the long run, like maybe you go to jail, maybe you kicked out of the bar, maybe you look like an idiot for overreacting. And then that's your reputation too. And Nick just, yeah, when Nick's drunk, he just fights people. And it's like having that emotional constraint to be like, okay, this situation made me upset. I need to cool off. I'm logically aware that I'm going to regret this decision. I don't know how many times whether I've done stupid shit when I'm drunk. The next day I'm like, fucking it. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? Right? You just regret it. Happens the best. Because you're exactly because you're emotional. You're when you're drinking and whatnot. And then you wake up and you're sober and you're more logical. 
Mm-hmm. So it's being aware of that. But yeah, dude, you should really check out that emotional intelligence book. It's- yeah, I will. Because I just, I just had a, a meeting recently where there was like a, a ton of emotions going on. I'm yeah. just like, oh my goodness, this has inspired me to read emotional yeah. intelligence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, dude, it's super important knowing the, the fine line between those things. And the more you know about your emotional intelligence... It's honestly more important than your IQ, I feel like, because you're able to deal with people on an emotional level and you could either, in sales it helps 100%, with girls it helps, with just connecting with people it helps so much and relationships is so huge Mm -hmm. in business, life, everywhere. So having a clear understanding of how everyone's emotions work and how yours work as well so you can react to a certain per uh this person a certain way because you know that they're emotional in these certain areas and uh with you mm-hmm. like it's just different with every single person and the more you know the the easier it is just just to communicate with people yeah you hit it on dude that's crazy i haven't read it because you literally just i forgot you reminded me in the book they talk about that is they literally say that uh, IQ is secondary to emotional intelligence. And they did another study where they took X amount of kids from the time they were like, I don't know, five or seven until they were like in their mid sixties. Yeah. And they noticed the ones that scored higher on their IQ, most of them actually were in lower level position jobs than those that scored a little lower. Now, like I said, once again, there's a balance. Like you score five on your IQ test, you're probably not going to be successful. But it's, it was interesting because it was letting people know like, hey, you don't need to be a genius to be successful, but you need to understand people, how to negotiate and how to be aware of where someone's coming from and what's the reason behind it. Like you talk about with solar, there's always a smoke screen. There's a smoke screen with anything. You talk to a girl and she's not interested. What's the reason? Does she have a boyfriend that she just didn't tell you about? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Did <laughs> someone in her family just pass away? Did she just get fired from her job? So being able to have that sort of resilience um, and persistence, but not in a way that's pushy, will get you to the ultimate answer. Because I've had people right, like not interested. And when I first started this job, I just, oh, I'm sorry, have a good day. But now, you know, probing, asking questions. Yeah, I'm, you know, I apologize if it came off wrong. We're not here to generate interest. We're doing something a little different. And then, well, I can't afford it. Boom. There it fucking is. Now I can hammer this. Okay. Uh, Kind of what we're doing is a little different. There's actually no money out of pocket. It's less than what you're spending today. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't like tell you that, blah, blah, blah. Or, well, you know, it's not that we can't spend it. It's just that we're going to move. Okay. Now I'm starting to go down the rabbit hole. What the fuck is the real reason? And as we talked about before, everything in life is sales because a girl's not interested. A job doesn't hire you. Um, you don't get the promotion. And it's like you can probe. And when you have the ability to probe, and find out why it will always benefit you because you can at least go to sleep at night knowing, okay, I got the answer I needed. Yeah. So many people stop after one no. After, you know, think about like that movie Rudy. You said that movie Rudy with the football? That's right. Fucking four years or whatever. A guy couldn't get to Notre Dame, but he consistently was applying and uh, reapplying his, you know, his methods and how to be better. And by the fifth year, he gets to play. Yeah. But it's like so many people will die and go to the grave because one no, one not interested. You never know. You could be at the bar and your wife is there. You'll never know that. But she said, I understand. And like, you know, how many times have you heard a story where, oh my God, your dad came up to me and fucking, I was not about it. And then, you know, you know, months later, years later, they get married. And it's crazy. that's just like one aspect of life. But I always think about things like, dude, you never know what's behind, you know, not interested or I'm, you know, not today because there's a really great quote that says like, you know, what if will make a person go insane? Like the act of regret will drive a man nuts. But 
Is that David Goggins? It's a Greg Plitt. Greg Plitt. You know Greg Plitt? Yeah, I he's do. Because yeah. I know David Goggins, he goes on about the what if I did this. Yeah. How would I feel? Yeah. And everything. And I, I think that's a perfect representation of what you're talking about. Yeah. Because, yeah, what if I could get past that now mm-hmm. and actually help them? Mm-hmm. And that's the mindset you have to have, right? You're there for a reason and you're there to provide a solution. Mm-hmm. And being passionately persistent is going to show trust and care. And when you actually go through the no and you actually get a yes, or sometimes you won't, but you'll know that you did your best and right. you'll feel better for it, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think just to wrap up with everything is, yeah, it's like when you when you push through that, there's a, there's a good quote from that guy, Greg Plitt, and he says, you know, what if never went to the arena. Like I tried is 10 times more remand than what if, because what if never went to the arena? Like I tried, let's say be a UFC fighter, get my ass kicked at the arena. Hey, at least I know I did it. Right. Yeah. And I at got my I, ass kicked and now yeah. I know what to work on. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Versus the guy that's like, well, one day I'm going to get in the UFC. One day I'm going to, it's like, you'll never know. And like regret and doubt will drive a man insane. I have had enough regret in my own life where I'm like, I don't want to fucking feel that anymore. Mm-hmm. There's so many situations where I'm like, you know, use it as your motivator, if anything. Like, oh my God, what if I talked to that girl? What if I tried harder in football? What if I got my grades right, you know, in high school? You know, what if I did X, Y, and Z? Where would I be in a different place? I probably would, but I'll never fucking know. Yeah. And so learning that at a young age, when I'm in my mid-20s, like, dude, fuck that. I see people in their 50s and 60s that live with so much regret and resentment. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry for you. Like, that was your choice, though. Yeah. You, li- you decided to not do this, and therefore, you're never going to know the answer. And now you're mad at the world, but... The world's giving if you're, you know, it's, it's a universe, bro. I'm all about the law of attraction, but more than just like the, you know, fluffy feel good shit. Like I understand, like you got to put the work in, right? Mm-hmm. You write down your affirmations, but then you go apply it. Jonah yeah. goes and takes a cold shower, writes his affirmations, then he goes to the gym, then he goes, closes deals. You're attracting that because mm-hmm. you're writing it, you're saying it out loud, and then you're doing it. That's another thing with the vocabulary is when you have a larger expansion of a vocab, you can create ideas that maybe you didn't think about or they were in the back of your head, but when you speak them into existence, you're like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, oh my God, that does make sense, you know? Yeah. Right? You could see, you say something, you see someone's eyes light up, you're like, whoa, whatever I just said inspired that person. Mm-hmm. I should implement that for X, Y, and Z. And so, yeah, dude, honestly, I think it's been a banger of a podcast, bro. But any, uh, any final thoughts, bro? Or? One thing kind of tying into yeah, what you're just saying is when you're speaking things into existence and and manifesting things it's it's insane how real manifestation can be yeah it's crazy like if you believe in something so much and put in the work every single day and just full-heartedly believing in it and believing in yourself and being confident in your ability to go after your goals shit's gonna happen for you yeah it's crazy. That's fire, dude. I'm all juiced right now. You're just going in. Let's go. It is. Let's go, baby. <laughs> it's true, though, dude. Because, yeah, it's like you – I think the thing is it's like Steve Jobs always talks about is like you have to be unreasonable. You have to be a little off to do this. Yeah, you have Because to be most people are going to be like, what the fuck, dude? I, I failed that eight amount of times, 20, 50 times. Like I don't want to keep doing this. But the obsessed person's like, what if? What if I do get past that? And That's what right. if I do climb that mountain? And then it just drives them even further. And then when they get past the mountain – it's like, fuck it, I'm coasting uphill. Unstoppable moment. Yeah, facts. Hell yeah. Well, brother, it's always a fucking pleasure. This is a banger of an episode. Let's go on. Laugh about it. We're dropping a podcast all week. Thank you for all the love and support. Remember to follow us on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple. 
Tell your ex-wife, dead goldfish, and ugly neighbor about us. All right, and we will see you guys soon.